From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. Today I'm being joined by Raman Basker, a technical director at Indexed Analytics. Raman is a seasoned technology leader with more than 16 years of diverse experience in the information technology industry, serving the federal government and commercial sectors. I'm also being joined by Joseph Cardillo, the Salesforce practice lead at Index Analytics. Joe is responsible for supporting all Salesforce implementations and resources at the company. So, gentlemen, customers are wanting to migrate from on-premise systems to the cloud. Let's discuss how the industry is approaching this technology trend. So, what is driving decision makers to the cloud? Thanks, Marianne. There are several factors actually driving stakeholders to the cloud. The most significant of those are uh, modernizing existing what we typically call legacy IT systems by taking advantage of distinct cloud differentiators, such as separation of cloud compute and storage. This is actually one of the fundamental drivers of why customers move to the cloud. And then there is scaling up and scaling out systems without the need for additional contract modifications. Traditionally, to scale servers beyond planned or provision capacity, it would typically involve a contract mod, but not anymore in the cloud. And then reaping the cost and productivity benefits of agile infrastructure development and operations to continuously deliver product features. This is where the proliferation of DevSecOps concepts have come by after the advent and the subsequent adoption of the cloud platforms. Lastly, the cloud vendors just getting caught up with the security and compliance standards that the industry mandates, whether it is the PCI DSS standards for the commercial financial industry or the FIPS, FISMA, or FedRAMP standards for the garment sector. Joe, with the uptick of the Salesforce cloud, the garment agencies that we have experience with, I know you have a perspective on this. Thanks, Raman. And Salesforce is one of those cloud tools that a lot of partners and agencies are using to modernize and uh, move on from legacy applications. At Index, we actually have a pretty recent modernization that we've used Salesforce for, where we have modernized a legacy application and replaced a very paper-based system with a fully electronic uh, e-filing system so that we have, and you know, and you talked about sort of four different things, modernization, scaling, cost saving, and um, security. All four of those things in this use case really, really apply. So I've talked about modernization. We've replaced that paper-based process with a fully electronic uh, records, record-keeping system. Um, the scalability of that cloud-based solution is awesome. All I have to do is change the staffing mix of our team to change what we are doing or how exactly we are um, providing support to our government customers. And Salesforce provides all of that overarching infrastructure. We're only responsible for the actual tactical implementation. Uh, from a cost-saving perspective, you know, modernization, generally, there is, a let's say, an upfront cost, if you will, of making that investment. But there are long-term cost savings that oftentimes really do um, make it worthwhile. Talking about our last use case, you know, cloud development is certainly something we're working on. 
But what we are also doing is we are removing a lot of document and storage space that are requirements um, that were previous requirements, but also the amount of time people are scanning documents back and forth and then putting them into an application or then uh, documenting them all manually by hand. All of those time savings um, apply are, are things that we are saving time on on the long run. And then you talked about security, you know, cloud-based solution like Salesforce. Um, we already are inheriting significant number of the controls from the from the vendor, and it allows us to uh, do the implementation a lot more quickly. So lots of lots of advantages of moving to the cloud. Um, Raman, did I miss anything? Thanks, sir. You covered it. I'll just add that alongside this cloud adoption, we are also seeing a shift towards low-code or no-code applications to cater to the non-developer user base. Salesforce Application Cloud is an industry leader in low-code, no-code apps. Even traditional cloud platform vendors such as AWS or Azure are creating services such as AWS SageMaker, ML Canvas, or Azure Power Apps for the business users. Okay, so there are different cloud implementation models such as public, private, and hybrid. And there are also different cloud service models such as infrastructure, structure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service. How do you know what is right and what are the considerations? Well, uh, while customers historically have been resistant to move to the move fully to the cloud, the advancements in the, their security and compliance standards have just made it easier to allow customers to plan their cloud journey from uh, whether it is just on-premise, purely on-premise or a hybrid cloud presence to a fully cloud model, whether it is public or the private cloud based on their needs. Let's talk a little bit about the cloud service models. As you pointed out, uh, the basic ones are infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, and software as a service. Uh, More recently, We've added to this alphabet soup with function as a service and backend as a service. We'll just focus on the basic ones for this conversation. Um, IaaS, or infrastructure as a service, was actually the second cloud service model to gain traction behind the software as a service or the SaaS model. Infrastructure as a service means that customers can manage compute, storage, and network infrastructure all in the cloud. While the hosting shifted from on-premise to the cloud data centers, the customers still needed to manage their servers in the cloud. The innovation just then occurred in automation of these servers driven by the adoption of DevOps and DevSecOps principles. Platform as a service or PaaS is where the lines begin to blur between infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. Platform as a service can use infrastructure as a service behind the scenes. For example, in, within the AWS ecosystem, Elastic Beanstalk is a popular pass um, to deploy web applications, which actually uses infrastructure as a service component such as EC2 Compute Cloud uh, behind the scenes. The reason why vendors are actually focusing on PaaS is because customers don't want to just go from managing servers on-prem to now managing virtual servers in the cloud. It does not fully eliminate the infrastructure overhead. I also view this new and recent trend um, to go serverless as essentially customers adopting the PaaS model options that the vendors offer and wanting to switch focus to actually building applications instead of managing infrastructure. Lastly, SaaS. SaaS implementations or software as a service implementations have actually been happening even before the advent of the uh, popular cloud as we know it. The vendors just hosted it themselves in their data centers. 
Salesforce CRM SaaS service first came about in 1999. It was not until about five years later that some of the large cloud platform vendors started opening hosting services for the others, AWS being the first to the market there. SaaS, however, does have the biggest impact to end-user community where they just consume the software just as a true service while not having to worry about where and how it's hosted. The user just has to use the application and point it to the data and restrict access based on what they desire. Popular examples are Office 365, or Slack, or for that matter, Netflix. Among the cloud service models that we discussed, SaaS has powered the biggest push towards adoption of low-code and no-code applications. Salesforce's case in point, likely because of the advantage of playing in that end-user space and improving the end-user capability and productivity for the longest period of time. Joe, how has Salesforce been able to successfully solidify their position in the low-code, no-code application space? Sure, Roland, thanks. I'll definitely elaborate on that. Let me just tell you before that awesome answer. No, as the uh, Salesforce practice lead at Index, I don't always think about the other options, so I really appreciate your overall technical perspective on that. Um, Salesforce specifically, so you go out as software as a service, you go out as a, as a customer and you have to pay for those licenses. So what did you get for the benefit of buying those licenses rather than doing or looking at other approaches? So... I think the overall arching effectiveness of Salesforce is it is a platform that allows for faster delivery time rather than doing a custom solution. There are a variety of different things that Salesforce has in its toolkit that allows it to be able to say that. Um, the first one is this idea of the point and click administrator who can use declarative coding. Um, I think that that is the biggest piece, a big piece of why Salesforce is so successful. There is a lot of structure around the point and click technical resources who are, you know, it may have a larger skill set or a different skill set, let's say, than um, developers who may in fact be some of the end users who can be self-trained and ultimately actually do a lot of their own implementation. On the Salesforce platform, one of the most complex configuration pieces of configuration that can be used is something called flow and administrators can implement this rather than a developer. So uh, there are no no code coverage is needed for that. No coding is needed for that. Um, It is all done through the configuration of the platform. And this and flow is a very powerful um, can be used for very powerfully for different visual displays and also functionality. And that index, you know, we have a large task that we are, that is associated with one of our Salesforce projects and all of the users of that task are working with a, uh, a flow that we have built an application off of. So the, the power that you can use that if you know what you're doing with Salesforce is significant. And again, because you're not coding, because you don't have to have code coverage, the speed, the speed to production from design to MVP to additional enhancements can be, can be pretty fast if you know what you're doing and you can, understand, if you will, how to unlock the power of the platform. And the other piece we talked about it a little bit more is the inherited security controls of the platform. Those are all things that that benefit users and um, really, really move this uh, low no-code software as a service um, solution like Salesforce um, uh, to the top of the list of of, of, um, selections for, for partners. Okay, so how is the industry positioned to support all these technologies? 
Well, one way of categorizing the actors in the industry is putting them into end user, system integrator, vendor partner, individual professional buckets. Each of them is uniquely positioning themselves well to be successful in the cloud. Uh, let's take the uh, end customer's perspective. We have seen uh, at Index more cloud contracts than ever before in our experience providing professional services to the garment sector. Nearly all of our current contracts either are in the cloud or migrating to the cloud or interfacing with the cloud. Also, all of our recent responses to RFIs and RFPs are associated with the cloud platforms in one way or the other. I know Joe would have an opinion on this. Joe? Ron Raman, you know I have an opinion about just about everything, so I definitely have one about this. Um, so I think the big thing when we're talking about end customers and to, trying to support and guide or even in our own minds making the selection or just trying to offer options to our customers about what uh, what vendors they may want or and what they may want is understanding what the infrastructure within their own government agency is or their own company and understanding if I make this selection, what does that mean? What is the current um, support that is already built into the um, government organization, for example? What does it look, what level of governance is there? What, how long has the application been there? Who else is using it? The maturity of the entire um, agency is something that I think definitely needs to be um, considered. And when we implement Salesforce, that's certainly something that we know and can recommend and can guide guide our users on. And that speaks specifically, again, to the delivery time and how quickly a customer is looking for, here's my idea, how quickly can it be implemented? Um, Raman, I know you want to move to the system integration discussion next. Yes, system integrators. And uh, we are one of the small business system integrators out there. We are positioning ourselves to play in the cloud space by making investment hires for um, the cloud technologies such as AWS, Azure, and Salesforce. We continue to hire positions such as DevSecOps engineers um, or multipurpose programmers such as Python developers to build that strong technology resource pool. We also created a community practice within our organization to drive innovation, efficient operations, and ensuring that that knowledge is shared effectively across a project portfolio and really empowering our employees to become technology leaders. Joe can elaborate from our Salesforce investment perspective. Thanks, Raman. Yeah, I'll quickly hit on two things I want to talk about here. Um, the first is we are working on building, not buying a lot of resources. Right now, the market is, you know, very expensive to identify high, high performing uh, technical resources, uh, you know, within Salesforce. So one of the things we've worked on doing is training internal resources to become administrators. We use the Salesforce trailhead trainings, tailor that with some of our own senior uh, administrators and developers who have, you know, experience working these trainings and have developed some in-house trainings that involve some special classes and a timeline to effectively become administrators. And we've successfully built administrators who are working at moving into, um, you know, professionally being Salesforce administrators or also just benefiting their projects who can then do some additional uh, development or uh, configuration on their projects rather than having technical resources to it. And then the other piece of what we are have done and are continuing to do is hire technical resources onto projects out of college or shortly thereafter who can be who can be given some professional uh, guidance and a path forward so that they you know they're, that they're um, index trained employees. 
Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is that at Index, one of the uh, corporate benefits that we have is that we support um, training and certification and conferences with thousands of dollars for each employee. It's a large investment and something that the company leadership are very big on here. And we specifically support uh, and we'll go above and beyond for sure for the um, for Salesforce certifications and conferences. Um, so, Raman, I know you want to talk a little bit more about vendors, but I'm glad you're not trying to steal any of my resources that I've trained since you're not focused on Salesforce. <laughs> Vendor partners. I actually see them as an essential glue in the industry ecosystem. You could be a large cloud platform vendor, uh, also known as um, a hyperscale cloud provider, such as AWS or Azure or GCP. But to build a thriving customer base in your cloud platform, you need to have an effective partner strategy. Cloud vendors have made significant investments to build their partner networks to include other service vendors as well as implementation partners or system integrators such as ourselves. AWS, for example, has a plethora of cloud services out there, but they still choose to ensure that they have an effective marketplace and a partner network. Joe, how has the Salesforce vendor partners positioned themselves to support the cloud? Thanks, Ron. Well, lots of different things, but I'll, I'll try to keep it keep it um, briefer here. So Index is a registered partner, and I think the vendor has done a great job creating a partnership, not, you know, with uh, system integrators like us um, and others um, so that we have access to their resources and support and conversations um, based on that partnership. I think they've also done a great job making sure that people understand the value of that partnership. We've looked at responses where uh, responses or RFIs and RFPs to the government where you must be a partner of Salesforce um, to be able to be the the implementer because that demonstrates a level of competency and understanding with the partner and and, um, experience with the application. Um, I also think they've done a really great job, and, and again, this is a benefit to the implementers, making their certifications matter. Um, these are benchmarks for knowledge and ability when it comes to looking at what people can and cannot do. And it, it provides, again, an easy path for us as integrators to uh, identify those types of uh, certifications and resources we'd like to give them and give them a very clear path forward and, and, and be, uh, benchmarks and metrics to try to hit to achieve, uh, hit to achieve ne- next steps and career goals. And Raman, I know as our technical director, you're pushing for more cloud learning and certifications, not just at Salesforce, but across all of this. Thanks, Joe. That's a great segue to the last but the, not the least of the actors in the industry uh, ecosystem, the individual professionals themselves. We see individuals, including our own employees, sign up for cloud learning and certifications to keep up with the market demand and stay up to date. To encourage this, we have invested in more than one curated learning management systems that provide the requisite course content for our employees to stay relevant and successful in this ever-evolving cloud technology landscape. Well, Ram and Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. <clears throat> Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.fedhealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page. Music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated.